you're the contractor and we're the subcontractors because we want to promote you, who you are, and your identity. And so this is a paraphrase here, this question, who's going to define who you are? And I can't do that for you. You have to answer that. If, if the answer is God of creation, amen. God bless you for that. And I get it. I understand if people struggle with that. That's what I do in 90% of my ministry. I'm working with people out on the streets. But if you're in this room and you're like, okay, um, I'll let God define who I am. Amen. That's going to be the context of what I call a spiritual battle. And there may be events in your life, maybe as a child, and you think, why did that happen to me? Well, I go back to this little equation. Um, your potential to walk in what God designed for you is so great and so devastating to the enemy that he comes against who you are at a very young age. These formative years are very important, and the conflict is huge. So just asking this question uh, hopefully makes people think, but our heart is that you will know your original design in Christ, at least have a head start, at least have some data. So um, my wife's not in the room, so I'll tell a story on her before she comes back. Uh, but the first time we got original design prayer, she took those little pieces of paper home and threw them away. She goes, no, that's, that's too much pressure. That's, I, I, that's not who I am. Now, it's, it's funny, 20 years later, if we could dig those papers <laughs> out of the waste paper can, uh, not only is that who she is, but so much more in what she's doing in her ministry and the influence uh, around the world. So, uh, you know, God knew exactly what he was talking about 20 years ago, even though it was difficult for us uh, to hear it. So number one is easy. And we're going to pray that over you and, again, get back on a plane and go back to the Northwest. Uh, if you're ever in Tacoma, look us up. We love visitors, which is true, isn't it, Marcia? Yes, it is. Okay. We, I, people hear me say that and go, really? Wait a minute. No, we do. We love visitors. So stop in, see us. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, love to host you if you're ever in the Tacoma, Seattle area. But number one is, is relatively easy compared to number two. And number two is your choice to believe. And it's going to have to be by faith because I get it. There is a lot of static, a lot of noise trying to drown out God's truth. And we want to cut through that and describe who you really are. And so if we do number one, please, I think this is one of the most courageous things we can do as believers is that you are choosing to believe God's word over all the other data, your friends' voices, social media, people going, thumbs up. I mean, whatever the other influences, voices into your life are, you're going to put God in the first place, above your past, above your sin, uh, above your failure. So this is the outline that our prayer teams use, original design, and we're going to add to that this afternoon, uh, original design as individual, and we'll add a few things uh, for marriage if you are engaged or a married couple. We uh, work on one core stronghold that comes against your original design, 
and then we impart a blessing. And the blessing is not any new revelation. The blessing is actually number one, prayed over you again. We had made notes. We have the data of what God says about your original design. So praying a blessing is easy. I just look at that and I, I believe that. And you are gonna hear a father's, mother's blessing over you in the first person. And sometimes this is relatively rare that people hear it with their physical ears. But I know many times God has said, say it loud, say it proud, because I've said this over them many times, but they just haven't heard it in the physical realm. And God wants to be that father to you and wants you to hear Good job, son. Good job, daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. Um, keep going. So um, that's very, number one and number three are very important to us. Number two, we've made it really safe. And uh, I'm going to kind of uh, change gears right now, but uh, Marcia and, and Kathy and Sarah, could you hand out the passivity worksheet? We're going to kind of learn this by actually doing an example of this. And what these uh, amazing prophetic ladies are doing are handing you out a little tool that we use and we just call this a diagnostic sheet or a worksheet and as they're hand handing that out I'll go over this graphic with you because I've been asked this a few times like well why mess around with anything other than original design meaning original design is so fun that is so cool why do you guys take time you know, to fish out strongholds. Well, this is a graphic based from my life. Uh, as a Christian, by the way, probably for more years than I'd like to admit to you, but as a Christian, this was me down here. And I was experiencing only a few drops of God's love, of God's power, and of um, uh, God's revelation. And I think I knew as a Christian that the problem was not God. <laughs> that the problem was probably me, but I was stuck. And my marriage was stuck, and I had no idea how to get out of that. And through this ministry, we kind of discovered well, there are things that filter out God's love, God's power, and God's truth. And that's what this little block represents here. And if you know how a filter works, if you could take one layer of that away, guess what? More of God's love is going to come through. More of God's power is going to come through. Hear me in this. This is not about your strongholds. God is not relating to you through your sin. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the good news is about. That's why we can celebrate Jubilee right now, the joy of being released from that. But when we relate to God, guess what? We still have that filter. And if we could get that cataracts removed, guess what? There's going to be more clarity and more of God's love, more of God's power, more of God's truth is naturally going to flow through your life. You're not going to need a prayer team to follow you around. You're not going to need us. It's just going to naturally happen. All right, so how do we do this? Good question. Um, we have an example in your lap right now. Is there a next one that I can use? And um, let's go through this. So you're going to need a pen, pencil, Sharpie, lipstick, anything big, bright, 
make a mark, uh, you need something to write with, okay? So if, if uh, and the only rule for doing this is it's between you and God, all right? So if you are married, you're not answering this for your spouse, uh, answer it for you. It's always easier for us to see sin in the other person, isn't it? It's like, I remember when I got married, it's, it's like, you know, uh, I could see the sin in my wife really easy. It's like, oh, you, you look at it. She's like, what about you? I'm like, me? Oh, I, I, I didn't see it that way. Well, this is an exercise to help us kind of see our own heart. And let me kind of go through it and tell you how it works. Um, the top of the worksheet gives a definition of what spiritual passivity is. Uh, there's some bullet points up there that um, tells you it's not okay, it's not uh, from the Lord. But if you go down to the number one and you see the check boxes, this is where I'm going to ask you to tick the box if you see any of this in your life. If you don't, don't worry about it. Just pass over it, okay? But like number one, I walk in passivity when I fail to initiate conversations with others, always waiting for someone to come to me. Now, I, I use this as an example. If you're going like, well, sometimes I'm like that, but not always. Well, I'm getting better. If there's a little argument going on in your brain, check the box. <laughs> it's, that's evidence that we are trying to justify our own sin. Now, nobody teaches that, but I, I notice we are expert justifiers of our own sin. So if you check one box, that does not mean you are a bad person. It does not mean you have a demon on your left shoulder. It does not mean, you know, it just means you're honest. It just means you're willing, like the psalmist that says, God, examine my heart and see if there's anything in it that's contrary to you. I'm willing to look into my own heart. So are there any questions? I'm passive in building relationships. I don't call others. Again, just keep going down. I'm gonna give you a few minutes to work on your own. And if you come to one that you have questions, um, you can ask me. The one, I do not protect others. Um, what that means is maybe you know gossip is a sin, so you don't actively do that but maybe you're a party to gossip and, and you just don't do anything to protect that third party that's not there. You, you'll notice that some sin is active, meaning we do it, but you could also sin by not doing something you should do or, or uh, a sin of omission, uh, not protecting others. So that's what that means. Well, I'm proud of you guys, though. Working through this. Go ahead and keep working. I'm, I'm just going to give a couple more coaching points as you're finishing up. And if you don't completely finish, that's okay. The idea is that we all have something in common to pray through. And what I want to model for you and teach you by actually doing it is um, repentance. And repentance means that if I'm going in this direction, I'm willing to stop, turn, and go in the opposite direction. And you can see I have a few 
slides here of just things that um, are what Scripture says about you. This is who you really are. And the stronghold sheets that we've developed, we have about 18 of them, are basically those filters on that graphic that I showed you. Things that we collect over time that filter out who we really are. And so I'll give you an, another dramatic example that I've learned in working with people in addiction. When they're going in this direction, this for their life is all they know. And some of them have been walking in addiction for a long, long time. And when I meet them and I talk about their original design, and I, many times I'll pray it over them. Sometimes they don't let me pray. That's okay. I'll speak it over them. I never use the term original design. Uh, I just put it in normal conversation. But they're, they're hearing truth from God. And it prompts conversations. People will come and say, how come you say these things about me? You're the only one that says them. How, how do you know this stuff? And that gives me a chance to say, well, I don't, but God knows you. And God is speaking those things to you, and I'm practicing listening to God's voice. That's all I'm doing, and I'm just telling you what I hear. And it creates this conversation where people say, well, I want to be that person. I go, great. Are you willing to turn from your present direction in life and follow Christ? And what they hear, it's always interesting. They say to me, oh, pastor, don't ask me to stop using drugs. I've tried and I can't. I'm like, oh, I'm not asking you that. Listen to my question. Are you willing? No, I, I get it. I've tried many times. I can't. And this always surprises them when I say this. I go, I know you can't. The power is going to come from another source. But what an insight to... Uh, repentance. Because if you study scripture closely, you're going to find out the only thing we bring to repentance is willing. I'm so proud of you that I said, hey, look at these boxes on this, you know, check a, and you're willing to do that. You're like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if this is in me or not, but I'm willing to go through and evaluate. Man, praise God. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. That, that alone, I, I know, just is creates a faith atmosphere. And I tell people right at this time, and it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, you know, forgiving your abuser, turning from this direction, receiving what God has for you, which is your original design. It could be any of these verses and more about who you really are. But right here is that point of conflict. And the enemy tries to stop you with fear we're going after one now called passivity. Just tries to get you to roll over and say, oh, forget it, it's not going to work. I don't know if this is for me. Man, what will it cost you? Five minutes prayer. And it may break some chains that you didn't even realize you were being bound by for years, maybe even generations. So at this point right here, I have experienced so many people just say, Yes, I'm willing. And then God does the work. And then as we step out in who we really are, repentance is this process, this life of walking in what God says. And you're meeting me now way down here instead of that guy over there. 
And you're like, oh, wow, that's so cool, passivity. You were never passive. Well, the reason I lead this worksheet, <laughs> this is one of the first worksheets we developed uh, about 20 years ago. And it was me and about three other men in a room with a whiteboard. And we wrote every way spiritual passivity manifests in our lives. And I, I know you don't know a lot of my testimony, but you're thinking, hey, you're this business owner, this entrepreneur, you know, president of the Rotary Club. Really? You were passive? Well, yes, I could go to work and 50 people had to listen to me. I could go to church and 300 people wanted to listen to me, but I would go home and I couldn't get three people to listen to me. So I would just roll over and say, forget it. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to church. And that's where I'm going to get my pats on the back. What was the most important to me? What was the most important before God? Those three people at home, my wife and my two children. Where was I spiritually passive? The one area that was the most important to me. And so if you would have been in the room with me, you know, 18 years ago when I was working through this worksheet, about 15 of those things, I checked the box. That was me. So if you check three or four things, don't feel bad. Um, you're actually way ahead of me. But here's what I'm going to ask. We're the body of Christ. And at this point in time, it becomes really apparent because um, I want us to pray with one voice. Maybe somebody in this room is like me 18 years ago, and in one narrow area of their life, spiritual passivity is stealing and destroying. Well, I don't want your voice to be the only voice heard. Uh, I'm going to be praying with you, because as I went through it, there's still some things left in me. Now, hear me loud and clear on this. I will never ask you to repent of a sin that's not your sin. It, it doesn't work anyway. Nothing happens. But if you get to where you say, ah, yeah, that's okay. I, there's some areas there. Now, guess what? We all have something to pray for. And I learned this principle years ago. I'll tell you this story quickly. Um, I was speaking at a church in Washington State, not my church, and um, doing a seminar, and the pastor introduced me, and he goes, this is Pastor John Graciano, and he is an expert in homelessness. And I'm like, okay. I had no idea why he said that. So I jumped up, and I'm like, okay, you have an original design. And there's this guy in the middle of the room, and he raises his hand like this. And I'm like, this cannot be good. You know, I, I hadn't said enough for there to be questions. So I thought I'd just ignore him. I don't know if that's ever <laughs> anyone been in that situation. So I'm like... Yes, you are God's masterpiece. Plus, look at all these. You are also a saint. You are also an heir with Christ. You are also... This guy's like, not moving. And I'm like, oh, can I outlast him? And uh, I don't know. There was maybe 80, 90 people in the auditorium. And they're all kind of like starting to look around. They're like, can he see that guy has his hand? And I'm like, oh, great. It's, it's being a distraction to the rest of the room now, you know? So I'm like... Okay, I can't outlast him. I can't ignore him and say, yes, yeah, sir, you have a question? He goes, yeah, what makes you an expert in homelessness? Because have you ever been homeless? Because I have. I'm like, 
I knew it wasn't going to be good. But I was praying earlier that day, and it was that passage in John where Jesus was saying, don't worry what to say when you are dragged into the courts, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say at the moment you need them. And I thought of that verse. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, how do I answer that? And I know I wasn't in the courts, but I was kind of in the court of that church's opinion. You know, if, if uh, I threw the pastor under the bus, that would not be good. I mean, I had to figure out, uh, you know, how am I going to, you know, no, I never have been homeless. But then the Holy Spirit took over and I said, you know, but for four days a week, um, for several years now, I've prayed for homeless people, homeless men, women, and children. I've prayed for drug addicts of every drug known to man and some new ones being invented, seems like, every day. I've prayed for all the gang members in our city, every gangbanger. At that time, I think we counted five different gangs, Samoan gang even. I said, uh, in all those prayer times, I've noticed one thing in common. I've never repented of the sin of homelessness. I've repented of things like fear, betrayal, abandonment, rejection. Well, you know what? Rejection, passivity, those are my core strongholds. Those are things that came against me. So when I'm praying with people that many of them do struggle with a form of homelessness, I'm not saying, Lord, please forgive this poor guy. That's kind of pharisaical. I'm praying, God, this is our sin. Forgive us for believing the lies of rejection, for responding with our sin of anger, for thinking this betrayal represents you. God, that's our sin. That's us choosing to believe the lies of the enemy. And in all those prayer times, it's never just been about that other person. And I've joined in. Lord, forgive us. And that's what I want for us. Um, The version is going to be slightly different in each one of us. Some may struggle, some may really struggle. But we're going to be the body of Christ. And I know this might be a different style of praying, but I, I think it's worth it that we pray corporately, just all together in one voice. And I'll show you the prayer that uh, I'm going to loosely use. If you go to the end of your worksheet, I guess it's page 69 in the numbering system there. Um, it says, repent, rebuke, replace, and receive. And you don't have to memorize this, but when you get prayer today, they're going to give you a little bookmark. And it's going to have these four R's listed for you. And um, if, if there is revelation of a stronghold, yeah, wave that around, Marcia, so there it is. Uh, if there is revelation of a stronghold and you want to pray through it, great. You'll have practice. And hopefully you'll feel as comfortable as you feel right now, meaning we'll just march through this simple four R prayer. I just call it that because each one of those things uh, begins with an R. But please understand, you can do it out of order, you can do it in your own words, you can do it in any language. It's really an issue of the heart. It's basically being right over here in repentance saying, you know, I didn't even realize I was going the wrong way. I didn't even realize spiritual passivity was an issue, but I'm willing. (laughs) And I'm willing and I'm going to say these words and now the rest is up to God and I believe he's going to give you this new direction and with each step, it's going to be easy, and you're going to feel what freedom looks like. So you want to give it a try? Do we all have something to pray for? Did you check a couple boxes at least? Two, three, four, 
More? You can't be passive. We're gonna repent of that right now. This is why we're starting here. All right, well, you can't repent of passivity sitting down. You gotta stand up. So let's stand up and march through this. Um, the prayer team can't resist. When we're going after it, they write on these little yellow pieces of paper a few more things. So what you checked on those boxes counts. That, it really does. Uh, I've asked the Lord many times, does this count? Is this work? And like, yes, keep going. But there's a few more things for emphasis here. And so I'm gonna lead you just through these things. And I believe these are very specific, maybe for one person in this room, probably for more. But your heavenly father loves you so much and doesn't want you to feel embarrassed, doesn't want you to feel isolated, diminished, pointed out, that he'd gather 39 other people in this room just so you would be free of this one little area of passivity in your life. Um, I think he's gonna do a version of that for each of us. But the other cool thing is you're mostly from one church. This is a big deal of building unity. This is like, we're gonna carry for, we're gonna care for each other. We're gonna bear one another's burdens. And I'll quote James 5.16 when we're done with this, but there's a big, this is a big deal that we will do this together. And um, the rest is up to the Lord, but I think this is gonna be the start of a pretty significant next step uh, for you guys. So, all right, um, let's repeat after me. Ready? Any questions? All right, we're all in? Everyone's standing? All right. Um, okay, I don't have anyone in the back of the room. Guard the doors. We're not going to let anyone out during this. All right, here we go. Um, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name I, confess I confess my sin of passivity. My sin of passivity. Father, forgive me, Father, forgive me. For, not for not speaking blessing. That's my sin. I've been passive in supporting and caring for others. I've been passive in listening. I do most of the talking. <laughs> Thanks for not mentioning names there, but I'll, that, I'm ticking that box. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've been passive in initiating in conversation, in, conversation, in, relationship, in relationship, that's my sin, that's my sin and, I confess it. and I confess it. I've been passive, I've been passive in, allowing others to know me. in allowing others to know me. I have often withheld, have often withheld especially my emotions. Especially my emotions. I've, been passive, I've been passive in responding to others. And in, and in stepping out, that's my sin, that's my sin. And, I and I break agreement. Lord, I confess, Lord, I confess that, I blessing, that I was withheld blessing, and I've used that as an excuse, and I've used that as an excuse to withhold blessing. To withhold blessing. That, just makes it my sin. that just makes it my sin, and I repent. And I, and I break that cycle. I've been passive for asking for help. 
Lord, I receive. I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that this sin has lost its place. Renew my mind. Cleanse my heart. I am free. So passivity, be gone. Break. Break. Off of my mind. Out of my body. Out of my relationships. Out of my ministry. Passivity, be gone. And never return. Holy Spirit, fill me with more truth. Everywhere there was passivity now belongs to you. I am a person of action. Give me more faith to go with who I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good job, everyone. Give each other a high five. We kind of did this as a group here. Okay. We didn't lose anyone, did we? I got kind of concentrating there. Okay. I think we still have the same number of people. Cool. All right. Evaluate how you feel right now because hopefully if we did this right, nobody feels manipulated. Nobody feels diminished. Nobody feels controlled. And if you realize what we just did, we're all standing up shouting out our sin. We repented. Repentance is supposed to be a good thing. And if you actually feel good, that's freedom. And I, I don't put a lot of emphasis on feelings where kingdom of truth, but feelings are important. They're, they're important to the Lord. They're, they need to be important to us. But I want you to feel what freedom feels like. And when you get your prayer time this afternoon, if all you want is your original design, that's fine. That's all the prayer team will do. Uh, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, what if they look in there and see all kinds of scary, no. Um, this is where freedom comes, is where you have the revelation and you go through these simple four R's. People get confused, and I don't have time to do the teaching on it today, but pe people get confused and think the prayer team's are going to point out behaviors. You know, I, I, <laughs> I had a guy come talk to me and says, man, I don't, I don't want to get prayer because what if the prayer team prays for me and they find out I smoke? I'm like, well, first of all, you know you smoke, so why would God use a prayer team to tell you something you already know? Uh, third, uh, the prayer teams aren't trained. They, we don't go after behaviors. That's a manifestation of something else. We want to go deeper than that. The stuff that you don't see. Things like passivity, things like fear, things like rejection, things like abandonment. And when you have that revelation, maybe it's going to be tough for you to get today. But I, if I were you, this is what I would coach you to do. I'd like take the full meal deal. They're going to write it down for you. Go home, go to your war room, your prayer closet, and let the Holy Spirit lead you into all truth. It's not us. Uh, you have the same Holy Spirit in you. And if we're right, the Holy Spirit will say, oh, yeah, you've just been looking through that lens so long, it's hard for you to see. But the Holy Spirit is kind. The Holy Spirit is gentle. 
And on his own time, he'll use that revelation to set a captive free. He wants you set free even more than we do. But if you see it, if you're like, oh, gee, reject it. Well, yeah, okay. Can I march through that right now? Sure. They'll, you know, you'll get the little bookmark and just pray this model that we just prayed. Just, you could even do a shorter version that I led you through, but however you want. The idea is I wanted to do passivity together because if we're passive, we, that's a bad combination. <laughs> Throwing the passivity out says, hey, if I see just a little bit of it, I'm going to go after it. I call that the tail of the dog. You know, if you looked up behind the speakers and there was a tail of a dog wagon, you'd go, there's a dog behind there. And, you know, I wouldn't have to argue with you and say, how do you know that? You can't see the dog. Well, yeah, that tail's not wagging itself, right? <laughs> it's attached to something. Well, yeah, we're not going to give you a revelation that's so out there, you're not going to be able to see any of it. You'll probably just see a part of it because deception means the enemy's worked really hard for you to think it's your normal, to think that it's, it's not a, a, you know, a, a stronghold, but it, it is. If you see the tail of the dog, that's enough to pray for the whole dog. Go after the whole thing. And that's, that's all we're trying to do. So keep the revelation, keep the data, and uh, we pray that that will uh, promote you and advance you. So uh, if everyone feels good, we'll keep going. We got a little bit more time here. I have to zip through some things, but this is the cycle that we're trying to break here. I, I don't know if you could read all of this, but um, this is God's original design, which none of us are born in, by the way, um, because of Genesis chapter 3 here. We're, we're broken vessels. But because we're broken vessels, um, the enemy has ways to come in and come against our heart with those heart issues. And yes, behaviors will manifest out of that. But again, the prayer teams are not praying about behaviors. We're trying to go after this. And, and this will really help you because if we can deal with this, we can break these cycles. And actually, this is the first time I noticed that I, when I led you through passivity, I've never done this with a group before, but you guys, I, I think there's something special here. We broke a cycle. I don't know if you realized it or heard it, but many of you have grown up withholding. Uh, with, with, you know, you've been withheld from. It's hard for me to say it that way. So you grew up in an environment where you weren't being blessed. Uh, okay, so that's not God's standard. That's not God's way. Um, but the responsibility on you is to be a blessing. And if you go like, well, gee, I, no one ever blessed me, so now I'm not going to bless anyone, guess what? Uh, the cycle continues. See that? You just took somebody else's sin and now made it your sin. And that will never make it better. We break a cycle by saying, oh, yeah, that wasn't God's best. That wasn't God's standard. So I want to break that cycle, and I'm going to walk in the opposite. I wasn't blessed, so I got to figure it out. I got to learn how to do this. Holy Spirit, I want to be a blessing. Teach me how to not withhold words, but to bless everyone. Uh, you broke a cycle. God bless you for that. That is a big deal, and the generations uh, will be blessed uh, because of you. All right, I got to uh, skip through this whole section. Sorry about this, um, but... Um, we uh, did this, the, the four R's, and again, don't worry about the order, don't worry about um, 
remembering all of this. This is the part I wanna do here just for a few minutes and um, we'll kind of see what we could do with the economy of our time here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. So what you, you just did was not a fleshly thing. It was not a gimmick. This is basically based on authority given to you by Christ. And look at what this is saying. It has God's power, that's what divine power means, to destroy strongholds. Now this word stronghold is something that can be translated castle. I mean, this is a military fortress. This is something that took years to build up. And who knows, might have even taken generations to build up. But the good news is no matter how long it's been there, you have God's power to destroy it and dismantle it. So I want you to be encouraged. And the way you march through passivity gives me confidence in anything else that could come up. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. I'm gonna paraphrase this for you. The battle is always for your thought life. It's gonna come against your mind. If you can win the battle in your thought life, you win the battle. If you lose the battle in your thought life, yeah, it's a tough road. And that's where the stronghold starts to get built over time, over time. And then, you know, you meet someone like us and you think, oh, well, this has been so normal for me. Yeah, it's been normal, but it's not God's best for you. It's a stronghold that's been built up over years. Okay, so we win that battle in the mind, in our thought life. God renews our mind, makes it new again. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to to punish every disobedience. You may not have been comfortable. I know I kind of get excited going after the rebuke part. But very simply, that's walking in the authority Christ gave you. And if a thief came into your house and grabbed your computer and started walking out, um, think of what you would do. If you were sitting on the couch and all this unfolded in front of you, you'd probably like, wait, who are you? What are you doing in my house? That's mine. Put it down. Get out of here. Well, guess what? In the spiritual realm, a thief has walked into your house, picked up your stuff, and started to walk out. If that happened in the natural realm, I wouldn't have to teach you what to say. I wouldn't have to teach you to say anything. It would just be natural. You'd probably have a bit of emotion. You would probably say, hey, get out of here. Uh, well, spiritually, it's gone on for so long that you're like, oh, okay, here's the thief again. He's in my house, stealing more stuff. I didn't say anything last time. I didn't say anything the time before. I guess I shouldn't speak up now. No, you should speak up now. That's what we just did. We broke out passivity. It's like, stop, all right? It, this is that real. This is more real than someone stealing your computer, your laptop. This is someone stealing stuff way more important than that. And yes, don't worry about doing it wrong. Don't worry about being, you know, not the right church vocabulary. Just do it. Just break out of that and say, no, not on uh, my watch. All right. So here's another category that is, I've talked about a little bit, but very important. And again, it's going to be an emphasis on uh, marriage. And this is out of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Forgive us our sins or our debts as we have forgiven those 
who sin against us. So I wanna talk about forgiveness for a minute. Based on this, Christ goes on to some pretty specific teaching about the condition in this prayer. Remember the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And of all the things that God put in this model prayer, this equation here of forgiven ones, forgiving, that makes it in. And we kind of memorize this and we say it and we don't realize what we're saying. We're saying, God, the same way I forgive, forgive me. Now, I don't know about you, but if you hurt my feelings, I'll probably avoid you for the rest of the day. I'm like, okay, I gotta forgive them. I'm a Christian. But man, I don't wanna sign up for that abuse. You know, see you later. Well, <coughs> okay, maybe I'll avoid you for a week if I'm really honest. Well, is that the way I want God to forgive me? Like, God, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up, forgive me. Okay, John, I forgive you. I just don't wanna talk to you for a week. Because <laughs> that's the way I forgive. Aren't you glad God doesn't forgive the way we forgive? But he is making a point here. This is serious to the Lord. Well, the people that I'm forgiving have abused me. They're wrong. Yeah. The people Jesus forgave, they were wrong. The Jews were wrong. The Romans were wrong. Mankind rejected him. They were wrong. And Jesus still submitted to being tortured to death on a cross to people that were wrong. And he actually cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And being tortured to death is a lot to forgive. But guess what? Jesus was also abandoned. That's pretty painful. Father, forgive them. He wasn't just forgiving the guy with the hammer driving the spike through his flesh. He was forgiving those 11, now I think Judas already committed suicide, but they have abandoned him. He was forgiving everyone that rejected him. That mob turned on him. He was forgiving the betrayal. These are things that you have experienced in some version. None of us have experienced in the depth that Christ has, because none of us are without sin. But you know the pain of rejection, betrayal, abandonment. So if Christ can forgive through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can forgive with the same power of the Holy Spirit. All right, um, I wanted to kind of add this in, what forgiveness means, and we were talking about this as a staff here. Forgiveness has two meanings in Scripture. And the, the first meaning is to forgive by sending away. In other words, Jesus just forgave your sin of passivity. So if tomorrow you go, oh, God, sorry, I was passive again. You go, again, what are you talking about? Uh, it's, it's not on the radar anymore. There's no record of it. It's, it's sent away. And it has to do with the scapegoats in Leviticus. And there were two goats. One of them got this red ribbon. And the sins of the people were laid on this goat. And that goat was sent out in the wilderness, never to return, it's far away. See, sometimes when we forgive, we're like, okay, honey, I forgive you, but I'm gonna keep this, I'm gonna put it right here in my pocket because I might need it. Next argument, then I can pull it out and go, oh yeah, well, what about the time you messed up? That's not forgiveness. 
It's like, no, don't put it in your pocket. Don't keep it. Don't swallow it. Don't internalize Send it away. <laughs> Send it out. It's gone. The second definition of forgiveness, oops, there it is, is um, to give God's grace. It's unconditional. You don't deserve it. Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them because they deserve it. No, they have no idea. They don't deserve it. God is a pure function of your grace. Will you forgive? This is the level of forgiveness that you and I are called to. This is supernatural. This is not human. You know, we have prayed for so many people through horrendous stories. And every time we look at each other and go, I've never heard a story that bad. It can't get worse. We pray for somebody else and we hear another story and it's like, I didn't think it could get worse. That story is worse. And it's crazy. And I'm looking at people and they're, you know, got tears and I'm like, I gotta ask you to forgive. Forgive. Not for that other person, but for you. You release. And they're like, I don't know if I can. Are you willing? Try. And you can say the words, I choose to forgive. We actually teach that a lot. We've, we use that. And when those words come out, if the Holy Spirit meets you there, keep going. If not, okay. But this is where the prayer team stop talking and they say, man, this is a spiritual transaction. We're just going to see if you have the supernatural power to release. We're not diminishing the abuse. We're not saying it's okay, it's awful, but it's not helping you and it's not freedom as you carry it and as you walk in it. And guess what? I know this is hard for people to hear, but you are now basically just adding your sin to the other person's sin if you will not forgive because unforgiveness is a sin. And adding your sin to the other person's sin will never make it better. And over time, you will walk in the same stronghold that came against you. And, you know, people get angry when they hear that because they go, oh, you don't know my life. Your life is perfect. Well, first of all, my life wasn't perfect, okay? Um, but I'll give you a, an illustration from my own generations, uh, how this worked. Um, years ago, we are teaching this, and my son was a teenager at the time. And uh, uh, he comes home. You know, I was help writing this. In, this uh, I was the executive pastor, not the senior pastor. So I was help writing a lot of this. And it was filtering down through our youth group. And my son comes home and says, Dad, can I pray with you? And I'm like, of course. My teenage son wants to pray with me. What are we praying about? He goes, well, I got my prayer today. And I found out what my stronghold was. And I have something I need to forgive you for. Okay, you're going to, uh, what is your stronghold? He goes, it's rejection. I go, rejection? That's not your stronghold. That's my stronghold. Like, get your own stronghold. You know, what's this, rejection? It's like, I didn't say that part, but I'm thinking that part, right? I'm like, what? You're not rejected. I go, my parents divorced when I was five years old. I'm still married to your mother. You're not rejected. The day you were born, I started this business. So every day, long hours, weekends, I've worked hard so you don't have to grow up poor the way I grew up poor. You're not rejected, I was rejected. Oh yes, on weekends, I'm doing this church thing. So I'm this leader, like, no, you're not rejected, I was the one that was rejected. Can any of you maybe guess how my son grew up 16 years thinking he was rejected? 
I see some nods. <laughs> you can help me. <laughs> help me, help me. Can you see it? I tried in the flesh to not pass on what I grew up with to my son. And I did nothing in the spiritual realm. And inadvertently, rejection went right through me, manifest differently, but went right through me to my son. The last thing I wanted to do. Man, my eyes were opened. And when I saw that, he and I prayed. I asked for forgiveness. Uh, I repented in front of my son and in front of God. We stood, him and I, two generations, and said, not on our watch, God, forgive us. My father was still alive at the time, and so we prayed, God, cover him. It's no longer, okay, I forgive my dad. You know, he should have done what he did, but I'm the Christian, I'm the, no. I forgive my dad because it's my sin too. It's our sin. So I included my dad. Manifest differently. You know, kind of silly to measure that, isn't it? But at, in the heart, God, this is our sin. Forgive us. There's a model prayer there. I don't have time to teach it, but if you want to write down uh, Ezra chapter 9, one of my favorites, Daniel chapter 9, and uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 and chapter 9. Those are models of a prayer standing in the generations saying, God, forgive us. You'll notice the pronoun is plural. You'll notice that it's not just their sin. And for Daniel to say this is pretty amazing to me, but he was saying, God, I'm including us. The generation before me, our leaders, me, generations after me, God, forgive us. So that's the model, and that's the core of what we're trying to get to. So do you want to add your... One of the things I learned from that prayer time, because our son is 36 now, so that was, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, but I remember after that prayer time, Tim came to me, and he said, you know, Mom, Dad and I just prayed, because I you know, didn't know any of that. And he said, um, after this prayer time, he said he loved me. And I'm like, okay. He goes, and he's always told me that. He goes, but I could never believe it before. So to me, I was like something really broke in the spiritual, this invisible realm that we don't see. There was such a power encounter there that Tim was actually able to receive the words that his dad said he, that he loved him. And I, that was, to me, like a really an opening to the spiritual battle over our lives. And that kind of set the course for how I saw things in a different way and how I related to my parents and the things I had to forgive them for and the things I had walked in <laughs> myself. And so, um, yeah, that was real powerful. So, so that I, I like for her to share that because I feel that's what happens in many of the strongholds we break. You, people say, well, what do I need to do different now? What do I need? You know, I think um, in most cases, you don't have to do a lot different, but everything's different. Like for me and my son, I said, I love you beforehand. He couldn't hear it. I said, I love you after we prayed. Now he could hear it. Something changed in the spiritual realm. That's my definition of spiritual transaction as well. You'll hear us say that. We're always listening for spiritual transaction. When I'm leading you through passivity, you know, I pause there for a minute. I'm saying like, 
God, show me something. Is it done? Did we break it? You know, it's like, yeah, you snapped it. I mean, that was a dry twig. They're, you know, cool. I love this group. That's not always a given. That's not always happens. Sometimes we have to work a little more. But uh, again, your faith speaks for itself. So, all right. Um, just, uh, oh, I wanted to add the noun form of forgive here because this, this was really interesting uh, to me that uh, remember when we looked at Luke 4, 18 and 19, this concept of Jubilee out of Leviticus? Um, it, it, we're going full circle here in that to set a captive free means a captive is forgiven. And when Jesus said, I'm anointed by the Spirit of God to set captives of every type free, what he is saying there is now no reason for your incarceration. Your fear, your insecurity, your unbelief, your passivity, um, your rejection, your, you know, whatever it is, Jesus is here to forgive and pay that debt and set you absolutely free. So um, with that, um, this is, I just wanna kind of wind this up here. Um, you'll forgive those who sin against you. Your, uh, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, this is Matthew six fourteen. by the way. We recite the Lord's Prayer and we stop. If you kept going in Matthew chapter 6, you would get the teaching from Jesus on this. And he's like, hey, if you can do this, guess what? You are one of my followers and you have uh, the power of a forgiven one. If you won't or can't do this, you're not one of my followers. And that's why I'll lead people to the Lord based on just whether they can forgive their abuser or not and introduce them to salvation based on, on this teaching here. Again, the emphasis of this is a big deal. And those that are married are going to be married. Learn this skill now. Keep no accounts. Uh, don't put stuff in your pocket for later. Learn to really forgive, to really undeserve grace and sending it away to uh, truly forgive. Um, uh, I'm going to skip through all these, but you see there's quite a bit more that uh, talks about this. I wrote this for my group in Tacoma. Your forgiveness is never controlled by anyone but you. In obedience to God's word, you call on the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Because a lot of people just don't even think we can... We can uh, live this way, but uh, I know through God's, through obedience and through God's um, power, we can. And by the way, this is just to say that unforgiveness is opening the door to uh, jurisdiction of the enemy, which you don't do that. All right, here's what I want to get, and this is especially for our married or soon-to-be married people. This is a timeline of your life. Um, you are not infinite in the sense that God has always been. We have a start date, and that's the first point on the timeline, you're born. Now, you will live eternally, somewhere or another. So that's why the timeline has an arrow. You're gonna keep going. So this is all of us. We're born, and uh, they're life events, and they're those formative years. And again, I wish we could guard our children and teach these things, and we're trying, but... 
Um, this, the, these things happen, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but these life events get uh, um, added up. And then here's a real interesting life event that I described earlier when the two become one, you got married. And what that means is there's a whole nother timeline added to your timeline, right? We'll draw a line right here. This is where the two timelines intersect. And yes, there's life events on his side, life events on her side, and now uh, the two get married and they're in love. And we're gonna live in that wonderful 1 Corinthians 13 love. Well, then things happen, and I call this conflict. I remember Kathy and I, our first conflict, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I've told my whole church, so I might as well tell you. Our first conflict was over brand of toothpaste. Uh, I remember we got married, the honeymoon was over, I go in to brush my teeth, and my wife had bought the wrong brand of toothpaste. And I came out and I said, what is this? And she said, well, it's toothpaste. I said, well, it's the wrong one. The one we're supposed to use, four out of five dentists say it's the best one, and it's the one that I use. And she's like, no, well, this is the one I grew up with. Why are you, like, making a big deal out of something that is not a big deal? Which is, yes, it's not a big deal. People ask me today, well, what do you use? I go, I don't even know now. But it's funny that back then, the smallest, craziest thing ends up being a conflict. And unfortunately, that creates a response. And if you don't have these tools, you're going to respond to the bad conflict and silly issue with more conflict. And everyone thinks, okay, well, here's where my problem started, right here. No, that's not where your problem started. <laughs> the reason you're having a conflict here is probably because of these events here. And if you don't deal with it, yes, guess what? Those conflicts just get worse. They build up. And where this really started could be way back here with even generational issues. Marriage is a cool thing. It's a God-given thing. And I want you to define marriage this way. If you are married or going to get married, what God has given you is a partner to help you stand for your generations, for God's righteousness, for freedom, for victory. He's given you someone else with the same authority, a powerful person in their own right, and if those two powerful people get together and use their power, you can change the generations up to a thousand generations. And they will call you blessed for making a stand and changing things. And not just reacting to the other person, reacting to the other person, reacting to the other person. Not just shaking fist at parents and grandparents and say, how come, why not, you should have. No, standing up like Ezra in Ezra chapter 9 or Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 9 saying, okay, on our watch, God, this is us. Forgive us. All right, I want to put a bookmark right there because I think let's do one more stronghold sheet. So can we do this in 15 minutes? We'll have to be quick. We'll hand it out. Um, 
We prayed earlier and we got that we were supposed to do two of these, so we're going to give you one more just for practice and fun and, and for real. It's the real stuff. Okay, while those are being handed out, I'll just cap it off by, um, I've tried to make how do you do this, uh, meaning forgive, as practical as uh, I can. And by the way, when the disciples heard this teaching, they thought it was craziness. They go, Lord, how many times do we do what you're talking about? Seven times, which to them was like over the top. And of course, Jesus says, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Which to me, you know, the only people that have access to you seven times in one day, I already told you, like, if you hurt my feelings, I'll probably avoid you for the rest of the week. But that's not an option with your spouse. So again, marriage emphasis here. Hey, we need to get this down. We need to uh, understand this. So um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip through. I got one more. This is what I wanted to end with. I'll hand the microphone over to my, uh, Marsha. Number one, you need to realize how much debt you have been forgiven. And as a forgiven one, okay, I can have, uh, the amount of grace I received, I can give that to somebody else. So as unfair as you think it is or unjust, Man, dwell on how much God has loved you and believed in you and forgiven you even when you didn't ask for it. Uh, while you were still his enemy, he loved you and forgave you. And then trust that Jesus loves you and has a better way for you to be happy than you know. He's working on this too. So you can forgive, you can release, and you can trust that the Lord, if you move with control, if you move with a retaliation of any kind, all you're doing is adding your sin to the other person's sin and it will never make things better. So, all right, I think we will uh, end there. Number three is obey the word of God, which says forgive. Amen. Hello. Ooh, hello. Okay, so now, how's everybody doing? Ready for getting ready, getting rid of rejection in our lives, right? Do you know for me, Rejection was even before I was born, it came into my life that I was not wanted. I was a surprise. <laughs> my father and mother weren't married when they conceived me. And so I, anything that went wrong, if it wouldn't have been for you, we would have never got married. You know, that kind of thing. So that was kind of like, but that was the base of an open door for passivity and self-hatred and every other evil thing to come into my life. And so, as we know that what rejection is, is like unwanted, unaccepted, that it's like you don't fit in. And there's always that fear of being rejected, right? And I just felt like this is so important that I wanted to read this little, the second little paragraph here, we belong to a society that values winning and worships winners, right? We live under the world system that chooses favorites and rejects seconds. People understand that one, that we don't feel like we fit in. We learn that most people, most popular, the most attractive, and the most talented are in. Those who don't fit in, that description, which is most of us, are out. And so, for an early age, even at birth, the stage is set for us to live a life battling rejection. Yeah. 
And so it's so significant that you as young married couples, as you that are going to get married, to see how rejection comes against each other and to say, no, that is not going to take place in my life and in our life, in our families. So rejection is, um, like I already said, a foundational to many strongholds. It opens the door. That if we feel like we're not accepted, then we feel like we're gonna not we're gonna withhold or we're going to it starts hating ourselves that we're not good enough, we'll never be good enough. And so the enemy wants to destroy us. He wants to keep our giftings shut down because the enemy is afraid of us. And so if he can come against us, he will. And so um, we don't have to allow this spirit to rule and reign in our lives. Amen. And so here it kind of goes down. You guys, it's really important to take time to read through these things. And even in the back, it shows you how to walk in the opposite spirit of rejection or whatever the, the stronghold is that you're looking at. So it goes down here and it talks about, um, first I want to say we cannot believe these lies any longer. I just heard that. Don't believe these lies any longer. And then in here it talks about the roots of rejection and how roots of rejection can come into your life. It's like, I'm just going to bullet a couple of these like absentee fathers or mothers. They could have been absent even if they've been in the house. They're just not, you know, loving or encouraging. Adoption, rejection can come through that. Be feeling unwanted, even parents' addictions, shame of a family member, like someone who is um, crippled or something. Shame can come in, and rejection can come in. You know, so um, and then even with mistreating one another and not caring and loving, and so, and then I really feel since we're on a rush here, please go through these at another time, the fruits of rejection. So we want to now go into marking the boxes. It's fun to mark the boxes, right? For me, the first time I needed to mark a box, I tried to figure out how can I mark the box without touching a pen, you know, and marking the box. Anybody feel like that when you're doing this? Oh, a couple. It was like everything in me. I was thinking, oh, I can't mark this. People will know. It's a lie. So just jump right in and just run through these and uh, mark the boxes that apply to your life. Okay? So just read over them. Just look up if you're ready. I don't want to. Are we ready? <laughs> All right. Are we ready? Okay, I see some markings. Oh, yeah? Okay. I'll give you another little bit because I see some. Because while they're doing this, I want to even read this little bit here in the first part of recognizing rejection, real or perceived. Rejection can have its roots in reality where we really have been rejected. The offense really did happen or can be perceived or feared rejection. So rejection can come in many forms. Believing rejection is present or pending even when it is not. Have you ever felt like I know that they've rejected me and they don't want to be with me? They think something's wrong, so they just kind of ignore me. Have you ever felt that way? That's like perceived because they never have acted it out or, you know. So we have to guard our hearts because rejection comes in in many ways. So I just, 
We're ready. Okay. So I just feel I'm going to start with um, just we're going to stand up and we're going to repent. And I just heard that let's just even repent for uh, rejecting ourselves. I just felt like there's some that it, of us that have rejected ourselves before anyone else gets a chance, right? So, okay, are we ready? And we know the four R's. Okay. So this is a good time. Hallelujah. Say, repeat after me. Jesus, I confess believing that I am rejected. Forgive me, Lord. For hating myself and rejecting myself before anyone else can. That is my sin. Jesus, I confess. I am afraid that if I am vulnerable with my spouse, I will appear weak and will be rejected. Lord, I confess, I fear rejection because of my past betrayals, and I feel closed off, and others say that I am harsh. I confess, I am very critical of others, and even jealous that others' success or succeed more than me. That is my sin. And Lord, I confess my rejection often causes me to feel lonely, of no value, and I fear that others are talking about me. And Lord, I confess that I do reject others before they can reject me. And Lord, I do confess it is hard for me to trust because of hurts and rejections. I confess I do not step out because of fear that I will be rejected, that myself and my ideas are of no value. And Lord, I confess that I have feelings of great disappointment of my life. That is my sin. Jesus, I repent for believing these lies. And I declare, no longer will they hold me back. So I boldly rebuke this spirit of rejection that has been on my life to destroy me and every relationship in my life. No longer do I agree with this system of rejection. I, I come out of agreement with these lies. I come out of agreement 
with the lie lie that I am rejected rejected. and that I am unsafe. unsafe. Felt like take a deep breath. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Father, I receive that I am forgiven and I receive your forgiveness. I receive that I am loved, that I am accepted, that I am significant. I replace these lies with your truth, that I am accepted. I am loved. I just feel like just to, for you to declare, the Father loves me. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like you need to turn to your spouse and, or your friend who's standing next to you and just say, I am accepted. I am loved. And I receive your love. Thank you, Marsha. All right, you can be seated. Let me tell you how this is uh, going to work after lunch. Um, we have four prayer teams, and if any of our prayer teams are here, I see one showed up, uh, Ann and Liz. Come on up. Come stand up here so they can recognize who we are. Oh, yay. Eunice, I didn't see her sneak in. Come stand up here. Uh, yeah, these are amazing people. Um, I got to tell you, uh, we were leading one of these worksheets and a pastor came up to me. It was a pastor's conference, so everybody in the room was pastors. And he was really excited and he said, this is James 5.16. I'm like, okay, James chapter five, healing chapter. I don't, I don't memorize it, so I don't know what verse 16 is. He goes, yeah, it's healing. I want my church to be a healing church. I'm like, oh, cool, high five. Um, I want my church to be a healing church. He says, no, you don't understand. We got to James chapter five, verse 16. Pray for one another. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. I'm like, yeah, cool. He's like, no, you don't understand. In my church, it's not safe. We can't confess our sins one to another. There'd be gossip. There'd be control. There'd be manipulation. I'm like, oh. But he says, you had us do it. I go, I did? What? He says, well, we're all confessing our sin. And there's no manipulation. There's no control. There's no comparison because we're all the same. I'm like, well, that's the reality. That if you only knew, we are all the same. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to compare. So what you just did is a big deal. It's living out the word of God. James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another, which we did that you might be healed. I expect some amazing healing in every category, physical, emotional, spiritual, amazing healing today in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you have these teams and we have one more person coming. Uh, Annie's gonna join us. So we're gonna form four teams across the front here. So um, when you come back from lunch, um, whatever team is open, just plop down in front of them. And we'll pray over you, original design, a core stronghold that comes against that original design if you want it. If you don't, 
tell us, so we'll pass because we automatically kind of go into that. And then we want to pray a real quick, short blessing over you. On average, 20 to 30 minutes. So those of you that want to take a long lunch or maybe even come back in two hours, we'll still be here. And um, again, we'll just kind of pray first in, first out, or first, first here, whatever. When you'll see, if you sit in the back of the room and you see us in the front of the room, you'll know when we're open and just uh, come and get in. We want to really be mindful of your time, but we also want to really care for, uh, get you as much revelation as we can. We'll write it down on these little yellow anointed pieces of paper. They are special revelation papers you buy at Costco. So (laughs) they're just the tablets we use. But we'll make the notes for you. And so you'll have that record. And English seems to be no issue. So you can um, um, not worry about translation. But also, if if you want original design for a marriage, let us know as well. Because we'll do a bit for individual and then we'll do a bit for... Uh, the marriage as well that applies for uh, both of you. So we're working for you. So even if you don't remember the four R's or you're like, well, I'd like to pray through that now, but I'm not sure I can remember everything. Well, not only will we have those bookmarks, but even if you kind of forget something, we're listening, we'll just coach you. We'll say, okay, now just say it this way. I receive, I'm forgiven. Okay, I receive, I'm forgiven. So please understand we're just ordinary people working on fighting for our original design and our freedom process as well. So uh, I, I love these people. These are great teams. So have a great lunch. Thank you for your attention this morning. And we're gonna have a great time this afternoon. I hope to see all of you this afternoon.